You know, the Bible tells us, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And Jesus said, be ye holy, for I am holy. And not only that, we know that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We are a holiness movement. Can I have an amen? But we also understand we can't be holy within ourselves. We know the only thing that makes us holy is the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to us by salvation through regeneration and justification. So we're thankful tonight that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, and what the law could not do in sin that is weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemns sin in the flesh that we might be made the righteousness of God. I'm glad I am made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you give the Lord praise for your salvation tonight? Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Woo! Man, I can preach up here tonight. Hallelujah. We're so honored to have my best friend, Shay Hughes, with him. Hadn't he been just tearing it up? How many's enjoyed his ministry? Oh, yeah. How many, how many was here during Real Men's Rally? Can you say hallelujah? Yeah. <laughs> And they're all coming back out to hear him again. He's a preacher of preachers, the king of preachers, in my opinion. Um, he was, he said one of his mentors was one of the guys that mentored me. And even though I wasn't around the man, just his influence and just to his ministry, I wanted to copy what he'd done. His name was Ray Hughes, and I called him Ray Hughes this morning, and his last name's Hughes. They're no kin. But Shay was privileged as a young man to hang around him, and him and his grandson were best friends, and Brother Hughes started pouring into his life and would call him and pray over him, and, and, and uh, that mantle that was upon that man of God, you can see it in this man. I tell you, I have been thrilled by the preaching. I have been blessed. Your pastor has been uplifted. I've been strengthened. I've been encouraged. I, and sometimes you feel like a lone duck. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one and your staff's the only one out there plugging and pulling and preaching. And yet you, it's a breath of fresh air to hear a young man come by like Shay that's got the fire in his bones and the fire of the spirit and to preach the word of God and not be ashamed of it. Would you welcome him back, would you welcome him back tonight? as he comes and takes his liberty in the Lord. Thank you, buddy. Amen. If you'll stand with me all over the house this, this evening, it is good to be here on Sunday night at the Palace of Praise. Now, historically here, now I know it's been a long time since I've been here, but, you know, I, maybe I'm even going back to Ninth and Cedars. That don't mean something to all y'all but it means something to some of y'all and around here Sunday night used to be deliverance night Sunday night was victory night Sunday night was healing night Sunday night is when we went into the enemy's camp and took back what the devil stole and I'm just excited to be here tonight and, and I, I pastor I just walk in here tonight with just anticipation and expectation and it's kind of like you teenagers know it's that anticipation you have when you're going to Winterfest or heading off to youth camp. And adults, it's the anticipation that we have when we head to camp meeting or prayer conference or the assembly. But when I put my clothes on in the hotel room tonight, I knew I wasn't coming to camp meeting and I knew I wasn't coming to the assembly, but I was just coming into the palace of praise expecting God to do great and mighty things. And so tonight... I'm just excited to be back here with you. I want, let me tell you something. 
You guys have got an incredible worship team at this church. And I travel around a lot. And when you travel as much as Abigail and I do, you appreciate good music. And there ain't nothing in the world that'll cause you to appreciate good music than bad music. And you guys got good music at this church. Let's give them a hand. Amazing And it's so good to be here with Pastor Kent. Love him um, and Jenny. And when I came here, I'm going to tell this, Kent, on you. First time I met Kent Miller, and if you'll, I'm getting ready to read. Let, let's go to John 11, 25. Um, I was at the General Assembly, got a call from the General Youth Director that said, you have just been unanimously elected as the State Youth Director for the Church of God for the State of Missouri. Will you accept? And I said, absolutely. And he said, well, they want to meet you. So I didn't realize I was, I was in a full suit and tie because I was working. I was four blocks away. It was burning hot outside. And, and the General Director said, I mean, you got to get here right now. That we don't, you don't want to make these guys wait on you. This is not a good first impression. So I'm in a dead sprint with a suit and tie on. I walk in, these guys, and these guys who would later become my brothers, my best friends, Kent Miller, Brian Cutshaw, and the list goes on, Glenn Davis, the list goes on and on. And I walk in, I sit down, and I'm breathing heavy, and uh, the general director said, they want to ask you a few questions. Okay. First thing Kent Miller said, he looks at me, never seen him in my life. He said, we don't want to know it all. And my response was, then you got the right person because I don't know it all for sure. And I had no idea that God would forge a relationship that would be lifelong. And Kent, Jenny, we love you guys so much. Love this family, Ben and John and Sam, and just watching these guys come up and their beautiful families. And it's, it's amazing because as I look at this whole row, this row, Pastor, right behind you is a testimony to your ministry over the decades at this church through your children, your grandchildren, and all these people that are here tonight. And I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to be able to be here and share the word with you. I'm going to be in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, and I, I just want to get real with you tonight. I want to be transparent tonight. I want to talk about some things a lot of people don't want to talk about in the church, and just some things that... Um, I've been going through recently, and, I, and, and my wife sometimes accuses me of over-communicating, so I don't want to say too much, but um, this, really, this word came alive to me when I went through what I went through this past summer, because where I was hurt, wounded, and injured, you couldn't see it with your eyes, but it had absolutely changed my life, and I want to talk to you tonight on this subject that I have entitled the secret place. And it may not seem like that it's going to make any sense in the beginning, but if you will hang with me, I promise you I'm going to go somewhere with it tonight. Reading a very familiar passage of Scripture, we're in the season of resurrection. We just got out of Easter, story of Lazarus, John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I want to talk to you tonight on this subject I've entitled, The Secret Place. Will you pray with me and for me? Father, I thank you for this privilege to stand on this great platform. 
a platform that you have given me the honor and the privilege to stand on many times. And tonight, Father, your spirit is already here. I don't, I don't have to preach it down. I'm not here to try to preach anybody happy. But your presence is already in this place. And I pray tonight as I bring this word that you've given me that it would not be my words, but it would be your words. That you would not only anoint your people to deliver, uh, anoint me to deliver, but anoint your people to receive. Father, it's not by my own might, certainly not by my own power, but it's only by your spirit, says the Lord. We thank you for this incredible worship that we've already had that has brought us into your presence. And tonight we stand in anticipation for this word that's going to go forward in the magnificent name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap as you're seated tonight. Tonight, I want to talk to you on this subject I've entitled The Secret Place. And, you know, my, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, if not uh, my favorite scripture, is he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow. And you know, when I read this scripture, it's impossible to read this scripture and not feel the heartbeat of David. Not only in this scripture, but throughout the entire book, for it was David that said, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. It was David that said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. It was David that said, one thing that I would seek after is that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I would behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. It was David who would throw himself on the mercy of the court and be the first one to do it and say, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. It was David that the Bible said had a heart after God's own heart. And the reason that he uses the word after is because he wants you to understand the context of the word. He does not use the word after in the sense of being similar as or in the likeness of. But he uses the word after in the sense that he is in pursuit of. His heart is after me. He is chasing me. He is pursuing me. He is wooing me. Ladies and gentlemen, it was David's very pursuit of God that allowed him to find the heartbeat of God. It was his very pursuit of God that allowed him to find the pulse of God. Because if you're going to take the pulse of anything, you got to be close enough to reach out and to touch it. Now, if you're in the medical field, if you work in the medical field, or you know somebody that does, you understand that you can't take somebody's pulse long distance. You can't take somebody's pulse by correspondence. You can't take somebody's pulse across town. You can't take somebody's pulse across the room. But if you're going to take the pulse of anything, you've got to be close enough to reach out and to touch it. We love to sing, especially Pentecostals. We love to sing that old song, He touched me. Oh, he touched me. But I want to ask you a question tonight at the Palace of Praise. When's the last time you reached out to touch him? For you see what's so powerful about the story of the woman with the issue of blood. 
is that she dared to fight her way through the multitude and overcome the obstacles just to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And the moment that she touched Jesus, it stops the creator of the universe. It stops the king of kings and the Lord of lords in his tracks. And he stops and he said, who just touched me? Peter said, it must be this multitude that surrounds you, Jesus. He said, oh, no, 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 no. I perceive someone has touched me individually because I have just felt virtue leave me. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you fought your way through the crowd and pushed your way through the multitudes and faced down the problems just to reach out and to touch Jesus? Because I want you to know here tonight that the thing that stands in between you and Jesus you and a healing, you and a breakthrough, you and a deliverance, you and a miracle, you and a revival is a multitude, a multitude of problems, a multitude of issues, a multitude of devils, a multitude of sickness. Anytime you get close to touching Jesus, there will always be a multitude. There will always be pushback. There will always be a restrictive force, ladies and gentlemen, when your destiny is within your reach. Oh, I would suggest to you tonight, my brothers and sisters, that the greatest opposition you will ever face is when your miracle is within your reach. Everybody knew that Jesus had come to town because there was a multitude. What am I saying? I'm saying when Jesus shows up, get ready for problems. Let me say that one more time. When Jesus shows up, get ready for problems. See, I used to think if you walked with Jesus, you'd have no problems. I used to think if you just served the Lord and prayed and did what you're supposed to do, everything would be a roll of tulips and kumbaya the rest of your life. But the truth of the matter is walking with Jesus to get you crucified. When Jesus shows up, get ready for problems. Like we pray for revival. Oh God, send the power just now. Send it on down, Lord. Send it on down. And then the moment drug addicts and prostitutes and alcoholics start walking through the door, we get a problem with that. Ladies and gentlemen, true revival is not overflowing offering plates. True revival is not online and TV shows. True revival is not just a crowded parking lot, but true revival is drug addicts and alcoholics and prostitutes and pornographers walking into the house of God, being transformed by the life-changing, miracle-working, wet-water-walking, leper-cleansing power of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Have you ever thought that if Jesus showed up to church today, not not just the Palace of Praise, but the Church of the United States of America, have you ever thought that if he showed up to church today, we'd have to stop him at the door and say, now listen, Jesus, there's some stuff you need to know before you go in here this morning. Can I preach? We'd have to explain to Jesus what an usher is. We'd have to explain to Jesus what a trustee is. We have to set Jesus down and take him by the hand and say, now, Jesus, it's not personal. It's going to feel personal, but it's not personal. But there's going to be some people here this morning, and they're going to get real mad because they think the other people praise you too loud. 
oh, I'm going to tell it. Jesus, we don't want you to get your feelings hurt. It's not personal. But there's some people here this morning, and, 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 and they get upset because they don't like the specific song about you because they worship worship rather than worshiping the king. Oh, there's some stuff that if Jesus walked in, we'd have to say, Jesus, with everything that we got, with all the methods of technology, we got people here, and they're more worried about lights. They're more worried about the carpet. They can't praise you because it don't look like what they want it to look like. Have you ever thought what would happen if Jesus showed up to church Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question tonight. When is the last time that you fought your way through the multitude just to touch him? I'm beginning to find out, Sister Miller, most people don't want anything bad enough from God to get it. They just kind of casually hope that it happens. And if it don't conveniently come to pass and literally fall in their lap, they say, well, I guess it wasn't meant for me to have it. But I'm beginning to find out in my own life, in Shay Hughes' life, that if I'm going to get what God's got for me, I got to be willing to fight for it. I got to be willing to get down and crawl. I got to be willing to push my way through the crowd. And even if they reject me, and even if they push me away, and even if they try to hold me back and even if they stare at me roll their eyes look at me funny and call me a fool I've made it up in my mind tonight at the palace of praise that I'm not gonna leave until I touch Jesus if I gotta get down on my knees and crawl if I gotta fight my way through the crowd excuse me if I wrinkle my new outfit excuse you if you run your mascara or mess up your eyeliner there's got to be something down on the inside of you that says I repent to walk out of here with the same issues I walked in here with this morning I will not take no for an answer I will not be denied I refuse to go back home the way I came excuse me if I dance on the platform and run in the sanctuary because I got some issues and I'm not going to stop until I touch Jesus I'm going to touch him until the devil takes his hand off my family I'm going to touch him until he breaks the within your region I dare somebody to reach out and touch the king of kings and the lord of lords we are all members of the body of Christ and as believers we make up the body and Jesus said that we are all members of the body having said that my wife and I, like Pastor Kent and Jenny, raised three boys. Don't worry, Sam, Ben, and John. I ain't going to call y'all out this morning. <laughs> but listen, raising boys is different than raising girls. Like, Abigail's mother is like Miss Manners. And we've had to share with her when our boys were little that gross is not a sin. It's just gross, but it's not a sin. And boys are different than girls. We raise boys. 
And as good parents, we had to teach our boys that certain parts of their body is public and there are certain parts that are private. And when you get those two confused, you got problems. What's so powerful, ladies and gentlemen, about the story of the woman with the issue of blood is that her issue is coming from a private place. Her issue is coming from a secret place. And because she was wounded in a secret place, she's carrying the wounds in public. Can I tell you, you can be wounded behind closed doors and carry the effects in public. What do you do tonight when you've been wounded in secret places? The secret place is a place of intimacy. It is a place of transparency. It is a place of vulnerability. And it's for that reason that we have to be careful who we allow access to the secret places of our lives. For example, many of you in your home, your secret place is your bedroom. That's why if you show up at my house, the first thing that my wife is going to say is shut the bedroom door. As a matter of fact, I was over at Kent and Jenny's the other day and I was standing on the left side of the island and she thought I was a little bit too close. She said, you can't go in there. Because there are those things, my brothers and sisters, in the secret place that we don't want everybody to see. There can be some messy stuff in the secret place. In fact, I would suggest to you, my brothers and sisters, we are defined by the secret places of our lives. I'm going to say that again. We are defined by the secret places of our lives. If you want to know how somebody's house looks most of the time, just peek in their bedroom some of the time. Because see, we will clean and manicure those places that we know you're going to have access to. But that's not really who we really are, is it? For example, some of y'all came to church and you're looking for like a revelation. You're looking for a prophetic word, and I got one for you. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I work for a nonprofit organization. <laughs> but here is a revelation word. Are you ready for it? Stay off Facebook for one week. And here's why. And listen, I'm not knocking it. We use it. It's, it's probably the greatest evangelistic tool of the 21st century. I get that. But here's the problem. Some of y'all get on Facebook, and when you get off of it, you're depressed. Because you see those pictures of those other families. You know those family portraits where they're all wearing white, and they're all barefooted out in the woods, and all the kids look like they love each other. And then you think... I could not get, it would take me 72 shots to get one picture to get my kids to act right. And what you don't realize, it took them 72 shots to get that one picture. But you only see what they allow you to see. 
because we will clean and we will manicure the places that you're going to have access to. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some people, now I respect them because they got the victory over it. Some people, it does not bother them. Their house can look like it's been hit by a Category 5 hurricane. And you can just show up and they'll open the door and they'll say, well, come on in if you can get in. for the rest of us for the majority of us we like you to call first now I I give everybody in here permission anybody at the palace of praise is family to Shay and Abigail Hughes y'all got permission to tell everybody you got a vacation home in Phoenix Phoenix, Tennessee where am I tonight? Phoenix, Arizona and you can go there anytime you want to but do me a favor please call me before you come I'm not married to a woman that's able to do that at the spur of the moment because let me tell you what happens when we find out somebody's coming unannounced. There is a militaristic drill that goes into place. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, we all know what our job is. We're going over the floors. We're picking up the clothes. We're making my... Young one actually put on clothes and not run around in his underwear all day long. I know y'all don't know nothing about that. We're putting the dog in the bathtub. And in the final moments before you show up, she's going to say every time, without a doubt, close the bedroom door even if it is clean because it's a secret place and we have to be careful who we give access to. Ladies and gentlemen, you change your clothes in your bedroom. You sleep in your bedroom It's a place of vulnerability. It's a place of transparency. And you have to be careful who you allow in the secret places of your life. I want to tell you, there are people today all over the body of Christ in churches all over the United States of America and the world for that matter who have had their entire life changed because they let the wrong person in the secret place. I'm going to say it again. Young people, hear me. There are people who have had their life turned upside down because they let the wrong person in a secret place. What do you do when you've been wounded in a place you should feel complete? Life's greatest tragedies come from being wounded in secret places. What do you do, my brothers and sisters, when you've been injured in a place no one can see? I mean, it's one thing to be wounded in here. We can call 911. It's one thing to be injured in the sanctuary. We can get you the help and the support that you need. But what do you do when you've been wounded behind closed doors? And there's a feeling of fear and anxiety and isolation and a fear that if help actually shows up, it's probably going to show up and it's going to be too late. This is what's going on in John chapter 11. Lazarus has died and here comes Jesus walking back into town. When Mary and Martha saw him, you got to understand, they weren't just meeting him for the first time. They were friends with him. They had a relationship with him. There was trust with him. And as Sister Tina Sattler used to sing, he showed up four days late. And when Martha saw him, the first thing that she said was not, Jesus, we missed you. The first thing she said was not, Jesus, it's so good to see you. The first thing she said was, if you would have been here, My brother wouldn't have died. Oh, but catch this, she said. 
But I know that even now, even after he'd been dead for four days, even after his blood was congealed, even after he was rigor mortis ridden, even after his body was stinking, even after they put him in the tomb, and even, if they, even after they rolled the stone in front of the doorway, she said, I know that even now you still have the power. Can I tell you tonight, palace of praise, that in this hour of world crises that we're living in, there is an even now anointing. Even now, even after the divorce, even after the addiction, even after the rehab, even after the funeral, even after the diagnosis, even now, Jesus still has the power because there is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. This word says, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His name is a transcendent name that's transcended every age and he has become the center focal point of this age. He is the glory of ages past. He is the life of the present. He is the hope of the future. He's not bound by the laws of physics. He's not bound by the laws of humanity. He knows neither youth nor age for he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the eternal present one. He is the absolute present tense in him tonight. All things are, not were, or shall be. He is all that time is, not was, or is to come. He is the great I am tonight and his testimony is I am that I am for he is unchanging in his power, unchanging in his promises, unchanging his power to perform what he has promised. He is the unchanging, almighty, miracle-working God that's still able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that you ask to think. Oh, his name isn't just a transcendent name. His name is a conquering name. We see him as conqueror in Colossians and having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. We see him as conqueror in Revelation 5 and 13. And every creature in the heavens and the earth and those that were under the earth and all that were at sea heard us saying, be blessing and glory and honor and power unto him who sits on the throne forever and forever. There is no spirit of existence that he's not conqueror. He has conquered death. He has conquered hell. He has conquered the grave. Thrones and dominions, principalities and powers, all are conquered by his name. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Break forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord. Oh, somebody praise him in this house. Somebody can praise God beside you. Somebody can praise God in front of you. If you would have been here, anybody ever heard that before? If you would have been here. If you would have been here. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, you still have the power. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. 
And with an attitude, with her bony finger, she said, duh, <laughs> Jesus. I know he'll rise again at the resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, come on. Come on. Take me to the place that you buried your brother. Take me to the place you buried your dreams. Take me to the place you buried your gifts. Take me to the place you buried your talents. Take me to the place you buried your anointing. Take me to the place that you quit on your family. Take me by the hand and take me to the place that you quit on your children. Take me to the place you quit on your marriage. Take me to the place you quit on your career. Take me to the place that you quit on your calling. Take me to the dark, secret places of your life that you have buried in your past that you don't want to go back to. Take me to the place of fear and rejection. Take me to the place where your confidence got shaken. Take me to the place of the what if. Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if they do leave me? And what if I do lose my job? And what if I do get COVID? And what if what my sister has, I get it? And what if what my mama has, I get it? And what if what happened to my daddy happens to me? And what if what happened to my uncle happens to me? And let me take you back to the place of what is. What is my plan? What is my purpose? What is my calling on your life? He said, take me there, Mary and Martha. Take me to the place that it became more about a partnership with me than a relationship with me. Shea Hughes, take me to the place where it became more about the work of the Lord than the Lord of the work. Can I preach? Take me to the place where it became more about the house of the Lord than the Lord of the house. He said, if you'll take me there, I'll heal it. If you'll take me there, I'll deliver it. If you'll take me there, I'll resurrect it. If you'll take me there, I'll turn the light on in the dark places. Psalms 27 declares that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. In whom shall I be afraid? When mine enemies, even the wicked, came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host may rise, against me my heart will not fear though war may rise against me in this will I be confident one thing that I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after is that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life that I would behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his tabernacle in the secret place of his tabernacle will he hide me and now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies that are gathered against me round about and I will offer unto him 
sacrifices of joy. Yes, I will sing praises. I will sing praises unto the Lord. I don't know about you tonight, but I've come into this place not to show off my outfit, not to pass out business cards, but I've come to praise the name of the Lord for he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall. Can I get down here like you do, Pastor Miller? And the devil's here tonight. Brother, can I sit by you? He's here tonight, and he's saying, you mean you're going to come in here and sing these songs talking about holy, 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 setting up on a throne after that report you got from the doctor this week? Really? You mean you're going to come in here and lift up his name and lift up your hands and give God praise after what happened in your family? Really? You're going to come in here, sing these songs? You know you're on a fixed income anyway. You don't even have the money to pay tithe. You're putting money in an offering plate you don't even have after what happened to you on your job last week. Really? Yeah, devil, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. Though he slay me, yet will I worship him. And I'm going to tell you something else, devil. I'm not just praising him about the secret place. I'm praising him in the secret place. I'm not just praising him for the secret place. I'm praising him in the midst of the secret place because I know in the midst of the secret place that verse still has another half to it. Listen, if you're sitting next to somebody that's going through a dark time, tell them you still got the other half of that verse left. And the other half says, shall abide under the shadow. And the devil's saying, you mean you're going to come into the palace and shout yeah devil I'm gonna shout I'm gonna shout if I want to cause I know what's coming next I know what's about to overtake me he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow do I have any real worshipers in here tonight a real worshiper don't need a drum set a real worshiper don't need a keyboard. All a real worshiper needs is a flashback at where you were this time last year and after all the hell he brought you through and you're still here, still shouting, still singing, still rejoicing. Oh, I wish somebody would lift up your hands. So why does it make the devil mad when we praise the Lord? I need to get that music back up here. I got to land this thing. Come on, music. Hang with me. Why does it make the devil mad when we praise the Lord? Because in heaven, Lucifer was the worship leader. But when he fell, God pulled him into the boardroom of heaven and said, you're fired. And he lost his job. When I came to Jesus and I got washed in the blood, I applied for the position and I got the job. 
And every time I lift up my hands and open up my mouth and give God the praise, it breaks the back of the enemy. That's why the devil's fighting you like he's fighting you because you stole his job. That's why he's mad at you because you stole his job. I dare you to look at your neighbor right now in the name of Jesus and say, neighbor, I've come to church tonight. I've come to work tonight. I punched the time clock tonight. Let me do my job. It's my job to praise him. It's my job to shout. It's my job to dance. It's my job to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Praise him. Praise him. When praises go up, blessings come down. Oh God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. They said, just go ahead and stand with me. I'm stopping. Just give me a couple seconds. They said, Jesus, we'll take you there. If you really want to go. But Jesus, you need to understand that Lazarus died of COVID-19. And we had to quarantine him. And we put him in a tomb and put a stone in front of the doorway. Because Jesus, we can't afford to get sick right now. And Jesus, you can't afford to get it either because you got a work to do. I'm so glad that Jesus don't need a face mask. He don't need hand sanitizer. He's already got nail scars in his hands that won the victory. And they said, it don't matter anyway, Jesus, because by now he stinks. I'm so thankful tonight to serve a God that's not afraid to get his hands dirty on the stinky stuff. Who's not afraid to reach down in the miry clay to save a wretch like me. And I know some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about because you ain't never been through nothing. But there's some of us in here tonight that are just thankful that he drove the car when we weren't capable of doing it by ourselves. That he kept our heart beating when we had too much substance in our veins for it to beat on its own. And the Bible said that they rolled the stone away from where the dead was laid. I've come to tell you tonight that he's getting ready to roll the stone away from your secret place. That stone that's been keeping God out of your secret place. That stone that's been holding you captive in the tomb of your past. That stone that's standing in between you and your destiny. The stone that's been blocking your doorway to success is getting ready to shake, rattle, and roll under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And he's calling you out by name with a loud voice. And he's saying, Lazarus, come forth. Now, the reason that Jesus had to call him by his name, 
It's because had Jesus walked up in the middle of a graveyard and said, come forth, everybody in the whole graveyard would have got up at the same time. But see, God wants you to see something right here. He wants you to know that he knows your name. And I've come to tell somebody what God has for you. Can't nobody else take it away. They can't steal your blessing. They can't steal your promotion. They can't steal your anointing. It is your time and it's everything in his time. What God has for you. I don't care where you're at when he calls you by your name. Lazarus. I don't care if you're an alcoholic. I don't care if you're on drugs. When he calls when Jesus looked at Lazarus and he said Lazarus you're coming out and I'm getting ready to step in Jesus knew when he called Lazarus out of the tomb that he was about to be crucified and would step into the tomb did you know this is the second to the last miracle before Jesus died the last miracle was when he healed the ear of the soldier but this is a second to the last miracle. And Jesus is trying to show you something right here. He said, Lazarus, I'm getting ready to call you out so that I can go in. I'm getting ready to step into your secret place. I'm going to step into your past. I'm going to go back to the place of your worst hurt. I'm going to go back in the place that you cannot change. He said, Lazarus, I'm going to take your place. Is there anybody in here besides me tonight that's just glad that Jesus took our place, that he died on a cross? He took my place. He said, Lazarus, I'm about to step into your secret place, and you won't ever have to be afraid to go back there again because I've already got the victory. I've yourself baby but if there's a shadow it means somebody's in there with you he said I'm going to turn your secret place into my dwelling place I'm going to turn your place of pain into a place of praise he said I'm going to turn your place of sorrow into a place of dancing he said Mary and Martha I'm going to give you a miracle and the very place your faith gave up we're going to pray. Some are already praying. If you're here tonight and you have a need, will you come right now? Don't make me beg and don't make me go through some altar call. You're here. You've got a need. It doesn't matter if you need healing. If you need God to do something financially, I feel God pricking my heart right now. There are people here that have unsaved family members that don't know Jesus. And you prayed until the heavens are brass. 
and you don't know what else to do and you say I got to give it to God tonight they will not go to hell in the name of Jesus devil you can't have them in the name of Jesus the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper in the name of Jesus do I have any teenagers here tonight that'll stand in for your high school that says we're going to break this curse of heroin we're going to usher in a revival for Jesus Christ we're tired of being beaten 